You are listening to the light of today with the powerful, life-changing Word of Christ that heals, delivers, transforms, and fills you with the Holy Spirit. Let God's truth burst forth into your heart. Stay tuned to the light of today with Chris Palmer. They used to teach us in Bible school, don't say, don't say a thousand words when you can say a hundred. Don't say a hundred words when you can say ten. Don't say ten words when you can say it in one, right? So oftentimes people go round and round in the same circles, but they, they never really say anything. And so we want to be efficient. So you can go out and, my Lord, it's so nice out tonight. You could go take a walk or get some ice cream, right? But I believe tonight that God's going to move in your heart. Uh, if you have your Bible, go with me to Acts chapter 20. Go to Acts 20. And... If you're ready for the word, say preach. All right. Acts chapter 20. We're going to preach like this place is full tonight, praise God. Acts chapter 20 and verse number 35. This is uh, something we usually hear around Christmas time. This is what it says. And we're going to go to about four different scriptures before we get into what God has for us. It says here, this is Paul talking, well, through Luke. And I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. It says, you should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. And this is the words of Jesus we're talking. This isn't the words of George Washington. This isn't the words of another spiritual guru. This is the words of the Lord. And he says, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Somebody go ahead and say, give tonight. Give tonight. <laughs> All right. <laughs> just someone say, give. <laughs> okay, okay. Let's go to Romans 12. I'm not going to, you just write it down and I'm going to just read it tonight. Because I have a lot to get to in 40 minutes. It says here. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give. Someone say give. give. All right, but there's another clause on it. He says not only give, but give generously. Look at your neighbor and say, are you generous? Are you okay, okay. So you get an idea where we're going with this tonight, right? Okay. All right. Genesis 15.10. This is what it says in the Old Testament. Give. Someone say give. give. Someone say generously. All right, are you ready for the next part? Give generously to the poor. Someone say, to the poor. To the poor. Mm-hmm. You're taking notes tonight. Write down, the poor is whoever God says to give to. Amen. You say, well, how can that be, Pastor? Because they lack something that they need, and if they don't have everything that God said that they're supposed to have, then you're supposed to give to them. So if somebody needs something that God has told you to give to them, you're supposed to give. Someone say, Amen. Give generously to the poor, not grudgingly, for the Lord your God will bless you in everything that you do. So many times I meet people that want God to bless them. They say, Pastor, you know, God doesn't bless me. You know, can you pray that God will give me a new job? Can you pray that I have favor on the job? You know, one of the funny things about being a pastor or being a minister is that people know where to find me when they got a job interview or someone's they're getting interviewed for a new position or they have they need some type of favor for somebody then they know where to find you right and you know the very first thing i ask those people is are you a giver or what do you mean by that are you a giver do you give to the kingdom of god and not only do you give to the kingdom of god because we're going to see in just a minute i'm not just going to be talking about tithes and offerings tonight although that's part of it i'm going to be talking about just the general ministry of giving if you take your notes write this down if you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, you should have a desire, a strong desire to be a giver. Giving should be something that you are excited about doing. And I can tell you something right now, that when people get filled with the Holy Ghost, I mean, they're Christians. We're going to see in just a second. Giving is something that they don't want to miss out on. Giving is something that they have to do it. If they, if they, if they can't do it, then they feel like they're missing out. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 and 2. This is my favorite chapter on giving. It says, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. 
For in a severe test of affliction, how many have ever gone through a severe test of affliction? I suppose it's all relative, but I'm going to tell you something. If it's tough, it's tough. I mean, whatever you're going through, you don't have to get your head cut off to be tough. I've gone through some tough things, some hard things. How many have ever been strapped for cash? You look at your bank account and you know, oh, amen. You look at your bank account and you know that when that bill comes, one of them's going to be bigger than the other and it's not going to be the bank account, right? All right. It's a financial test and it says that in a severe test, it says their abundance of joy and their extreme, extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Okay. And then 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7 through 9, it says the end of the world is coming soon. How many believe that here tonight? Mm, I know that's true. You know the AFA, the American Family Association, I kid you not, you can look it up on charismanews.com. They put an article out just this week that says that now the AFA, the American Family Association, just deemed that pedophilia is a person's uh, sexual preference and sexual orientation. That's the next thing that is coming down the line. You can guarantee it that now they're going to try and lower the age of consent. So I'm going to tell you something. You have the world over here. You have the kingdom of God over here. Your footsteps should not be headed that way. Your footsteps should be headed this way. If you're doing things to chase whatever this has, then when the judgment comes, it's going to fall on your head. Because God is, people don't think that he's a vengeful God and that he's a spiteful God. Let me tell you what the Bible teaches. The word of God teaches that every sin and every abomination to God is just laying up and storing up wrath unto God. In other words, they're building up a deposit of wrath and God is becoming angry. And one day they are going to be repaid for the wrath they laid up. So we want to be going this way. Can someone say amen to that? Okay, so I want to talk to you tonight about giving because there is a, fundal, a fundamental connection. Someone say fundamental connection, fundamental connection between your spirituality, how spiritual you are, and how you are able to handle money. And your approach to money is central to your spiritual lives. Many people think they're spiritual because they have some type of esoteric knowledge or understanding, but that's not what the scripture teaches. You know, there are many spiritual people who don't know the Greek, they don't know the Hebrew, and they're not what you would think that mystical of people. But the Bible is going to teach you that spirituality is not necessarily being mystic. Spirituality is not necessarily being esoteric. Spirituality is doing what Jesus said for you to do. Spirituality is being filled with the Holy Spirit and being led by the Spirit of God. And in being filled with the Holy Spirit and being led by the Spirit of God, you live out of that unction that's in your heart. See, many people miss the Holy Ghost because they're not filled with God. They're not filled with fresh feelings of the Spirit. And the only way that you're going to be able to follow the Holy Spirit is if He prompts you in which way to go. And that's called the unction, and that's called the anointing. Amen. And so spiritual people have an unction and an anointing inside their life that is prompting them which way to go. And let me tell you something. That unction, very oftentimes, probably on a weekly basis, is going to prompt you to be a giver to people. The Holy Ghost, when he prompts you, the Spirit of God is not prompting you to clench your fist. The Spirit of God is prompting you to open up your fist and give. Just like Sister Latanya brought me watermelon tonight. Glory to God, man. I said, well, she has no idea. This whole entire service is on giving. Praise the Lord. Bring me watermelon. Go and she cut them all up. And I had some fruit in there from the grocery store. And it's nothing compared to Sister Latanya's watermelon. Amen. All right. Okay, and so you're going to understand that you can't even divorce faith and finances because in the eyes of God, faith and finances are inseparable. Can I get an amen from somebody? Amen. Okay, this is what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. You know, we're going to, like, have to read where all we say. We're going to start low and move slow and rise higher and catch fire. Is that okay tonight? Amen. All right. I'm excited about this. I'm telling you what, I, I was putting this sermon together this week, uh, and when I was getting it, I mean, I was halfway through it. You know what I did? I just went into my checkbook and wrote a seed for a certain ministry and just, just sent it out the door. It wasn't my time to give them seed. It wasn't my, the, the, you know, the rotation that I have. It was just added on top of that because I got excited about it. Amen. And that's not to say, you say, well, pastor, does that mean you're going to sow today? No, no, no. You might want to go out and do something for someone in the congregation. Now, I'm going to preach this message again when there's more people here because here's the thing. I want people in this congregation, this ministry, in Life Today Church, I want people to be generous towards each other. I don't want people to come to me. And I, I know what blesses my heart when I find out that people in this church have blessed other people. It does my heart good to find out that you're caring for each other because that shows that the presence of God is here. That shows that the move of God is here. That shows that God is working. Amen, somebody. Yes, I want you to be in love with giving. I want you to find that shows that you have the heart of God when you give to people. 
Amen. I'm not just one of those givers that gives and then expects that person to remember for the next 10 years that you gave them something. Because there are some people, when they give you something, they expect for the next 10 years. You remember I gave you that back in August? Remember that back on July 24th I gave you that? You remember I gave you that? Well, you better do this for me. And you're like, that was five months ago. Yeah, God, I'm a giver. I, I went and did that four years ago. No, no, no. I mean, I'm talking about living a consistent life of giving. Amen. Praise God, somebody. Okay, so I want to talk to you specifically tonight about joyful generosity or joyful giving. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 7, you must decide in your heart how much to give. Now, I'm going to stop this point real quick. This is important. Decide in your heart how much to give. You decide in your heart how much you want to give. Notice the Holy Ghost doesn't decide it for you. Notice that a preacher doesn't decide it for you. None, nowhere will I ever tell you and push you and put pressure on you to give because it comes from the heart. And I'm going to tell you something. Write this down if you're taking notes. The point where somebody puts pressure on you is when you stop deciding, they decide for you. And when someone decides for you how much to give, guess what? The Lord doesn't receive it as worship. Amen, somebody. The Lord doesn't receive as worship what someone else decides for you to give. You have to decide for yourself. The power in giving is not in so $77 on the 7th of the month and receive $777 in seven hours. That's not, that's not, I'm not, I'm not speaking bad about it, but what I'm saying is I'll never do it. I'll never ask you for $77. I'll never do that for you because you want me to understand that's me deciding for you how much you're supposed to give. And the Bible teaches, I heard someone doing that the other day, and it says, no, no, no. The Bible teaches you decide in your heart how much you want to give. Amen, somebody. That's where the power is. That's how the Holy Ghost leads. Don't fall for that stuff. Don't fall for those gimmicks. God responds to what comes out of your heart. Hello, someone. And it says, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Amen, somebody. Don't give reluctantly. Some say reluctantly. Or in response to pressure. You know what another way could say this? If he was talking to preachers, he would say, preachers, don't put pressure on the people to give. And it says, for why not? Why you say, well, why, why, can't, why shouldn't I give in response to pressure? Why, why, Pastor, why shouldn't I do that? Because God likes a person who gives cheerfully. What if Sister, I'm going to use Sister Latanya as an example because she just gave something to me and she's going to fit right in. What if she brings me watermelon tonight and I say, wow, thank you, Latanya. You know, I love watermelon. Thank you for this. Thank you. Touched my heart. I said, well, she was thinking of me. She, I saw her cutting it up. And man, that's, that's really kind of her to do that, right? Probably used half a watermelon. And, uh, you know, but what if I found out later that someone came in and said, well, you know, she didn't want to give that to you, but, you know, I told her she better make it for you or else. I might then think to myself, well, then she didn't do it for me. Then it, then it takes away the value of it. it, takes away the meaning of it, right? But you know what I want? If she did it happily, I'm going to go home and make pass some watermelon. He's going to like it, blah, blah, blah. There's power in that. Well, you think God's different. God's the same way. You sold $77, and God says, well, that's nice, and we're going to use it for the kingdom. But guess what? You did it because the preacher put pressure on you to do it, and it's not worship. You did it because you're intimidated. Amen, somebody. Amen. doesn't come from a cheerful heart. Okay, the Greek word cheerfully here is the Greek word hilaros. It's where we get the word hilarious. It's where we get the word merry. It's where we get the word merry Christmas from. Amen. But it also is a word that means daylight, and it means to sing songs. So if you're writing notes, you can say, what is a cheerful giver? A cheerful giver, this is what a cheerful giver is. This is the difference now between a giver and a cheerful giver. The giver is someone that sometimes gives. A cheerful giver is when they give, they well up with songs, laughter, and joy in their heart, and their whole being comes alive when they have an opportunity to give. It's a person now, a joyful giver. The difference is, it's a person that absolutely hates not to be able to give. When they see everybody else give it and they can't give, they feel like they're missing out on it. They want to get in the game. I remember when I was in uh, eighth grade, it was 1997. It was the winter of was November 1997, going into 98. And I remember I had in my appendix taken out the day before basketball practice. And our basketball practices in junior high were early on in the morning, 7 a.m. We would practice from 7 to 8.30. And I remember I was tormented because, man, this was eighth grade year. I was junior high, the top junior higher, you know. And... It was devastating to me that I couldn't practice because my appendix had been taken out. I said, man, this is terrible. And guess what? Because I couldn't practice, I mean, I had to sit out weeks. 
And because I couldn't play, that means I couldn't practice, I couldn't lift the basketball, someone had to carry my books, I couldn't stretch. You know, this is before appendicitis. They had the easy way of doing it. They had to make a big slit in my side and had stitches and everything. And so, uh, but you know what I ended up doing anyway? I said, no, no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not letting them practice and me not being a part of this. So my mom or my dad would take me at 7 a.m. in the morning. I was still a part of the team. I didn't have to be there for practice. I could have stayed in bed. But no, I got up. I went to the practices. And I remember I'd stay in the sidelines and I'd have my, my pants on, my khakis. I'd have my, my shoes on. I'd have my sweater on with my shirt under it. Everybody else was in things and I was in my stuff. And I remember I was watching them and doing this. And then, you know, maybe first and maybe second off, I would get a basketball. And I would hold the basketball here. Then, I'd, then maybe a day go by, I'd start dribbling the basketball. Then I'd start rebounding the balls and passing some. I mean, I was there. Because in the, past, the, the coach said, you don't have to be there. The coach said, you can stay in bed. But me, I'm saying, no, no, no. I'm happy to be on this team. Now, I'm not, I don't need to sleep. I'm not sleep. If the rest of the team is not sleeping, I'm not sleeping. I'm, I'm doing this. I'm, because guess what? I was happy to be a part of that team. I was going to be a part of that team no matter what. And you know what? That's what made me a good player. That's what made me a good contribution is that I wasn't going to sit on the sidelines. I was going to get in that game, and I was going to keep on going. I was going to keep on passing. And this is called being a cheerful basketball player. Guess what? A cheerful giver is someone that says, I'm not letting that offering bucket go by. No, 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 no. A cheerful giver is somebody when you see a person that is in need in the church, you find out it's Christmas time. You find out that you have plenty of presents, but brother so-and-so is laid off. You say, no, 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 wait a second. You're not laid off. Uh, you, may, you may be laid off, but I'm going to help you. Or you find out, you know, that someone is, uh, doesn't have nice clothes. You find out that you're always wearing the nicest whatever shoes you're in the world. You know, you're wearing Louis Vuitton. And sister so-and-so over there, she can't get out of her kids. You buy her a pair of shoes and you say, come on, join the fun. Let me bless you real quick. Let me show you what it's like. Amen. Because guess what? You can't sit out on giving. Because giving makes you feel good. You say, well, that's not my gift. Get filled with the Holy Ghost and you'll find out it'll quickly become your gift. Why you say that? Because it's the heart of God. For God so loved the world that he withheld his only begotten son. No, 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 no. The Bible say God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He said, you need my son? Take him. Why? Because it meets your need. God looked at you and said, what need do they need to be met? Oh, they need to be saved. Oh, they need to be healed. Oh, they need to be delivered. And God said, I'm the best at meeting needs. So I'm going to send Jesus. He's going to meet needs. When you have the heart of God, you become a cheerful giver. And you want to see people in need, you'll meet those needs for those people. Amen, somebody. And so you say in your heart, okay, pastor, I'm, not, I'm a cheerful giver. I'm excited to give. I mean, when I give the opportunity, how many ever you could say that when you give, you feel excited to give? Anybody feel that way? You mean, you, I mean, you know, you're having a bad day. You know what you can do? Give. You're having a lousy day. What do you do? You give. You feel that something's not going right. What are you supposed to do? You give. Amen. How many can testify that you're having a bad day and all of a sudden you just say, you know what, I'm going to give and something did, did something to you? Amen, somebody. Amen. I mean, I'm going to tell you something. There are times you may be having the worst day at all, and the Holy Ghost puts it in you to give something, and you do it, and bam, the day becomes good. So the question becomes, why is it when I give? Why do I feel so good when I give? So do we agree? You give to somebody, you feel good. Amen. Okay, so the question is, why do you feel good when you give? Go with me to 2 Corinthians 8, 1 and 2. I'm going to answer this. This is powerful. This changes your life. We think that the way to be happy in this world is to get, but I'm going to tell you something. There are a lot of celebrities and a lot of people that have gotten a lot of things and they're just as miserable. I was reading something the other day about John Rockefeller. And John Rockefeller was saying about how you would think that riches were the number one thing, but it made him more miserable than anything else. You find out that people that usually have an abundance say that there's terrible things about having money. But you'll never find someone that says, I felt terrible when I gave to somebody. Amen, somebody. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They're being tested by many troubles, and they're very poor, but they're also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. This is a very interesting passage right here. You see a church. Let me just give you the background quickly. The Apostle Paul is writing a letter to the Corinthian church, which is in southern Greece. 
And he's telling the Corinthian church, listen, the saints in Jerusalem, which is across the Aegean Sea, the southern church is down by Syria, down to the northeast or southeast. He's saying the poor saints in Jerusalem, they're poor. They don't have any money. I'm trying to raise money for them. And he says the reason why you should give is because the saints in Corinth, they had money. And he was saying, you have money. And you're not willing to give. But the church in Macedonia, the churches, which was Philippi, Thessalonica, and the church of Berea, he was saying those churches up there, they are poor. And yet they gave to the saints in Jerusalem. So if they're poor and they were able to give, how is it that you being rich are not able to give to meet our brothers and sisters needs in Jerusalem? And do you know what he said? It was out of their extreme poverty that they were able to produce generosity for the people that were in need. So if you're taking note, understand this, that, the, that, that uh, uh, excitement from giving, being excited about giving, does not come from considering how much you have or how much you don't have. The excitement from giving is something that is supernatural that comes from the Holy Spirit. So you say, you say well, I, I, maybe I should give or maybe I should not give. It, 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 and I'm going to say something to you. It's not about. When, when the Lord tells you, you see someone in need. You, you, you see someone that, that, you know, this is how it works usually. Usually you're walking someplace and God put, gives you an idea. Do you ever have an idea about that person that should buy them that? Have you ever had that before? Yes. You see somebody, you say, you know, I should buy that. They will look good in that. And you know, something in your heart gets excited because you want to see him in it. He said, I'm going to buy that person this pair of pants. I'm going to buy him a suit. I'm going to buy that person their favorite. I'm going to buy their... You're in a restaurant. You're sitting in Panera Bread. There's an old lady by herself over there. And you say, you know what? I'm going to buy her lunch. Give me the check. I'm going to buy her lunch. How many have ever said you feel that way before? If you, the Holy Ghost puts it in you. But what you don't do is you don't count it up in your mind. Well, I, I don't get paid till next week. I don't get paid till the week before. The Spirit of God in you doesn't want you to consider that because you're going to see that the supernatural giving doesn't come by taking into account what you have or what you don't have. Amen. Can someone say amen to that? Amen. Okay, if you take your notes. It's, I say, um, it says here um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Why don't you just turn there? I want to show it to you a little bit more deeply. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse number 3. Are you guys here tonight? Yes. It says in verse number three, For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but they gave far more. It says they not only gave what they could afford, but they gave far more. Let me just give you the picture real quick. Here they are, the Apostle Paul tells these churches, we're raising a big offering. We need your help. This isn't going in Paul's pocket. This isn't going so Paul could fly around in a jet. This is going so the Apostle Paul could meet needs of people that were, that were suffering. The Macedonians came together and there was something in their heart that they said, wait a second now. We, gotta, we, I mean, we, we need to help these people in Jerusalem. We've we got to help them. So they felt responsibility to help these people. You know it's the Holy Ghost telling you to give and be generous to somebody because the number one thing you will sense is responsibility. You may, you may, you mean you see someone, whatever, maybe a beat up suit. And that beat up suit, a million people pass that person. They come into church, a million people pass that person. And nobody thinks nothing about their suit, but for you, you notice the suit, you notice how beat up it is. And you think to yourself, they need a new one. Why? You feel responsible for it. Why? That's the Holy Ghost telling you, you buy them the suit. But, 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 but now watch this. The natural use is, I, no, I can't do it. I mean, I don't get paid till next week. And the Lord says, do it. Because it's not about what you don't have. It's about what the Holy Spirit tells you to do. And the pictures of church at Macedonia, they come together. And it says that they gave not what they didn't have, but far more than what they had. The picture is they came together and they calculated. How much do we have? We have $50. Each. 
Each of us are only able to give 50 bucks. The other 25 that we have at home, we don't know if we could give it. And the Bible says after calculating what they don't have, they said, forget it. It's irrelevant. It doesn't matter to us what we don't have. We're going to give anyway. It's like the family come together and the husband sits next to the wife and they say, well, you know, the Apostle Paul's coming for the offering tomorrow. What do you want to give? And the wife and the husband come together and they say, well, you know, we have a budget in this house of $100. We have a $100 budget. We, you know, we, that take, we, only, we only give $100. And they said, but what, what if we give $150? And the husband and wife say, well, okay, at least it's going to the Lord. Let's give $150. Pass the budget. Someone say pass the budget. And do you know why that is? Because you'll understand that this is coming out. Not of, see, we get this idea sometimes that financial blessing produces joy. I know it's hot in here. I'm, I know everyone's really kind of gloating on their head. I'm sorry about that. It happened to be a 90-degree day today. We get the idea that joy comes from receiving a financial blessing. You know, someone gives you something, you click your heels. But you'll find out that financial blessing comes out of joy within. I'll say that again. You able, see, it was through the joy that were in the Macedonians' heart that the people that were in Jerusalem were able to be financially blessed. When I receive financial blessing, or when I receive blessing from somebody, it was because of somebody else's joy that produced my blessing. When the Holy Spirit puts joy in your heart, that's going to equate into somebody else's financial blessing. So you have it wrong. It's not that financial blessings produces joy. It's the joy in you is going to produce somebody else's blessing. That's right. Amen, somebody. Amen. That's why we need joyful Christians. That's why when there's no joy in the church, everybody's poor. Because everybody's trying to hang on to something. That's why when the power of God comes in here and the presence of God comes here, we have the whole place full. There's people left and right, and, and there's more people to work with. People are going to be blessing each other left and right. Here, this is for you, this is for you, this is for you. We're going to be taking care of each other's needs because guess what? It's not Uncle Sam's responsibility to take care of your needs. It's your brother and sister's responsibility because guess what? Uncle Sam doesn't do it with joy, but your brother and sister does it with joy with an open hand. Amen, somebody. Glory to God. And you say, well, Pastor, what's the joy come from? The joy that comes in your heart to give comes from when you have experienced the grace of God in your life. You come to know the presence of God. You come to know what he did to you in salvation and how you received the power of God. Or you got, God healed you or delivered your body. You received God's grace and something goes off inside you. You say, my God, Jesus saved me. He delivered me. He set me free. Wow. Thank you, God, for your grace. Thank you for your God. Thank you for your, one, your, your power. I, Lord, I thank you. And guess what that produces inside you? It produces joy down deep within. And here's what happens now. Your joy in salvation. Your joy in God, your joy in Christ does something for you and it severs the root that you have of finding joy in finances and in worldly wealth. Amen. See, watch this. When I got delivered, when God set me free, he put a joy in my heart and that joy came along and it found that joy or that root that I had where I'd find joy in collecting things to myself and the joy that came from God severed. And now the joy that I have comes from knowing that I'm right with God. It comes from experiencing the grace and the power and the anointing. It comes from having a right relationship with God. I know the generosity of God that he's been generous towards me. I know that he's been kind and he's been merciful. I have an abundance of wealth inside of my heart and that produces in me a generosity I just want to give. You can't explain it any other way. Amen. You can't explain it. You don't know why you give to people. It's just because of something Jesus did for me. So I want to be generous towards you. Amen, Amen somebody. Amen. Someone say joy. joy. And so go with me to Psalm chapter 49. Is this good for you tonight? Yes. I'll tell you what. We're going to have joy in giving. We're going to have joy in giving. The joy in giving comes from. The joy in giving. It's joyful to give because when you give you are sending. See, here's the thing. You know, we all, we all know the saying. You can't, when you die, you can't take your riches with you. Amen, somebody. Amen. Look what it says in Psalm chapter 49. So don't be dismayed when the wicked grow rich and homes become even more splendid. For when they die, they'll take nothing with them. 
We have a baseball player in Detroit. He makes two, he just got a 10 year, $249 million extension. <clears throat> 10 year, $249 million extension. And he's hurt right now. He's not even playing. Got a shoulder injury, I think. Not even playing. He's going to make 18 million, I think, 18 million this year, 18 million next year, 26 million, 26, and then finally by his last year, $30 million. And guess what? He ain't taking none of it with him. Better enjoy it while he can. But watch this. It says here, um, their wealth will not follow them into the grave. But look at what Jesus taught. Go with me to uh, uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. I'm going to take, now remember, you can't take it with you. Someone said you can't take wealth with you. That is why people that try to collect wealth their whole life become depressed. Because they know it's not going nowhere. Second Matthew 16, 6, 9 to 20. Don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust are corrupt. Where thieves come in and steal, store your treasures in heaven. Where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves don't break in and steal. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. How about this? You know what Jesus is telling? Jesus is saying, you can't take it with you. You can't take treasure with you. But you can send treasure ahead of you. I'm going to say that one more time. You cannot take your treasures with you. But what you can do is you can take your treasures and you can send it ahead of you. Many people think that Jesus was not about laying treasures up upon the earth. And that is not true. Jesus is all for you laying up treasures. As a matter of fact, Jesus commands you to lay up treasures. And Jesus isn't just saying to you that it's right to store up treasures. It is smart to store up treasures. But what Jesus was saying is not to store up the treasures here upon the earth because they'll be destroyed. He was saying, destroy, uh, send your treasures up ahead to you in heaven. And so when you give to somebody, you do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do and you give. Do you know why there's joy? Because you know you may have given away, but there you have reward in heaven. That's why people that give are always happy. So what are you so happy about? You just gave away. You just gave away your paycheck. You say I'm happy because I know that it's in heaven with God. Eternal reward. Amen. So quickly before we close tonight. Why is it hard for some people to find joy in giving? Why is it so hard when God tells somebody, go bless that person over there? You say, I don't know. Maybe I'll let the other guy bless that person over there. Why, why is it difficult for you? You ready to find out? Number one. The number one reason why it becomes difficult is because people believe the lie. The lie of the enemy. They believe the lie that the earth here is our home. How many people today believe that this is it for us? We have arrived on planet earth. When you are born, you have arrived and this is the only dwelling in existence that you're going to have. Paul says if we are hope in Christ in this life, we are of men most miserable. It says here, in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 3, that we are strangers and pilgrims here in the present earth. The word here, stranger, is the word, or pilgrim, means to stay in the place as an alien. It means people that have their residence in this country, uh, or let me say it like this, it means temporal residence. How many of you have ever gone to another country? You knew you were coming back. You ever gone someplace? You ever gone someplace bad and you're glad that you don't live there, you can come back? Right? So watch this. Where you believe your residence is, that is where you will choose to store up treasure. Let me give you an example now. Okay? When I go to another country, sometimes they'll give me offering. They'll say, uh, Reverend Palmer, thank you for coming. Thank you for coming to here. And bless you. God bless you. Thank you for coming. Here's, we want to sow into you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You didn't have to, but thank you. I receive it generously. Now look at it. This is monopoly money. This is not, this is not American greenbacks. Hello, somebody. You can't take this down to the bank and buy yourself, or you can't take this down to the store and buy yourself a Arnie Palmer. You know, this is not worth anything here. It's worth it, but you can't spend this. So do you know what I don't do? I don't say, oh, okay, I got euros here. I got Turkish lira, you know. I'm going to 
What I don't do is go down there and open up a bank account in that country and take that money and put it in that bank account. You say, well, why don't you do that? Because I don't live in that country. And because I don't live in that country and that's not my home, I'm going to take that money back to where I'm from and put it in my bank account in the country that I exist. Hello, somebody. You know, I don't start, I, I got no bank account, nothing over there in those countries. It's all over here. Whatever they give me there comes back over here because this is where I exist. Listen, whatever you receive in this life, take it and invest it into where your home is, and that is heaven. If God blesses you financially, take it and do what the Holy Spirit says to do with it. And guess what you'll be doing? You'll be putting it in your bank account in heaven. Amen. Some people are going to get to heaven one day and go, I got nothing. And Lord says, uh-huh. That's right. Why? Why don't I have nothing? I remember when Ford stock, 2009, 2008, Ford stock was like $2 a share. A lot of people remember this. $2 a share. Ford stock. Right? I remember when Ford was dirt cheap. I don't know what it's at today. Just dirt that you could buy it. You, man, the guy down the street, you could you could buy a share of Ford stock for what it it, it was cheaper. It, at that time, it was cheaper to buy a bag of Twinkies at the gas station than to buy a share of Ford stock. And I remember I said, "What do I have to lose?" And I bought some Ford stock. I didn't buy some. I bought a nice whole thing of Ford stock. And you know what happened? A couple months later right through the roof. And you know, I, I share this with people. My first year of ministry on my own, 2000, I didn't receive no paycheck. I lived off of the float on Ford stock. Did pretty good too. And then people say, well, how come I don't have any? What, what, how come you get Ford stock? I, but I don't have any. I didn't get anything from Ford stock. I didn't get any dividends from Ford stock. I didn't make capital gains on Ford stock. That's because you didn't put any in Ford stock, you dummy. <laughs> you didn't do it. I did it. And I said, well, come on. I look at the paper. I, I, I don't even have an iPhone back then. I look at the paper and say, well, all right. Okay. Well, well, and the guy that manages my assets back then, he was like, don't buy that. Don't buy stocks. Put them in mutual funds. I said, no, I have a good feeling about it. The Holy Ghost told me to put it in this. And it went right through the roof. I was like, yeah, all right. But the guy, then, then you know what people say? I don't go around telling people all this stuff. But someone knew that I did this. And they said, well, I don't trust stocks. These stocks are stupid, see? I don't trust it. You lose all your money. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. No, no, listen. If you could have had the intuition I had back then, you'd have done the same thing. You're just jealous because you missed out. There's going to be a lot of those people in heaven. Because you took all your money and put it into yourself, and you didn't invest it where the Holy Spirit told you to invest it. And you missed out. Now you're going to enjoy being the janitor in eternity, and I'm going to enjoy doing what I'm doing. Amen, somebody. Someone say, invest in heaven. Okay. Number two, people are ruled by things and money and not by the grace and joy of God's presence. Do you know what rules me? I'd like to believe what rules me is that I've been saved. I've been born again. I mean, Max Scherzer, right? He was a tiger. He went to the Washington Nationals. $250 million contract. Get him, man. He knows. 250. So, and listen, I thought about it and said, I mean, people in Detroit said, oh, he sold us out. Listen, listen here. If they offer you $100 million here in 250 in Washington to go 700 miles the other way, you would do it. Don't oh, yeah, you would do it. I, I couldn't get mad at him. Two, he's younger than me, okay? Younger than me. $250 million contract. What do you do with money like that? But listen, I'm not, I don't know if he, I don't know anything about him, but I can tell you this. I'm not ruled by money. I remember when I heard that, a streak of jealousy almost hit me. I said, no, I'm not ruled by money. Lord Jesus, you rule my life. You're the king. You're the king of my life. Now watch this now. But let's, let's not just take it. Let's not take my platitude real quick about it. Let's listen to what King Solomon said. Because if you think Max Scherzer has money, you think Miguel Cabrera has money. Let's see what Solomon said. He had way more money than both of them. He had so much money that silver became irrelevant. It says here in Ecclesiastes 5, 10, and 13, those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. The more you have, the more people will come to help you spend it. <laughs> so what good is wealth except perhaps to watch it slip through your fingers? People who work hard sleep well, whether they eat little or much, but the rich 
seldom get a good night's sleep. And you think you're not getting a good sleep now. There is another serious problem I've seen in the sun. Hoarding riches harms the saver. Money is put into risky investments that turn sour and everything is lost. In the end, there's nothing left to pass on to one's children. We all come to the end of our lives as naked and empty-handed as one we were born. We can't take riches with us. So let me say this quickly. A person who is ruled by the tyranny of wealth, number one, does not trust God. That's a sin. Not having faith in God is sinful. It is wicked. These, not only do they not trust God, people that trust in wealth do not live by faith. The Macedonians in their heart said, let's give 150 when all we have is 100. How do they do that? By faith. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians 4.18. See, we don't look at the troubles we can see now. We fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. So in order to live a generous life, you have to have faith in the Holy Spirit's voice, and that is nothing you cannot see. That is nothing you can see. Okay. And so uh, what we see sometimes... <laughs> Okay, write this down. Everything you acquire, everything you acquire in this life, every, every single thing you acquire, talk to anyone that successfully acquired lots of stuff, is just one more thing for you to think about, one more thing for you to ensure, one more thing for you to clean, one more thing for you to repair, one more thing for you to figure out how to sell when you don't want it no more. Hey Amen. I remember one time, the first time I started making a salary, right out of college, right out of college, this is what I wanted to do. I mean, it was real money, real. You know, remember the first time you started making real money? What it felt like? It wasn't just a hundred dollars here, hundred dollars there. It was like you got a check, and before you could even get a chance to spend it all, they dropped another one on you, and then and then, and then money started piling up. My expenses were really low at that time. I decided I was going to buy a boat. And I remember I was with a preacher. Actually, John Hagee had come into town. And the guy I was with was John Hagee's armor bearer. And uh, we were talking about boats. He said, oh, you want to buy a boat? I said, yeah. He goes, well, he said, uh, what did he say to me? He said, uh, you, know what the best, you know what the best day of having a boat is? I said, what? He goes, the first day and the last day. The first day you buy it and the day you get rid of it. That's the best part of having a boat. I said, really? He goes, you get excited buying it and then you can't wait to sell it. <laughs> and then I thought about what he had to say. It wasn't just the boat. It wasn't just the monthly payments on the boat. This is the fuel. What am I going to keep it in the wintertime? Got to shrink wrap it. Going to have to dump, pay someone to service it. Got to pay, I mean, just on. I mean, it's, I mean listen, it's not long having a boat, if you, but it wasn't smart for me to do it. And, I, and the point I'm not trying to make is don't buy a boat. By golly, I'm going to have a boat one day. The point is, whatever you get requires your attention. I know people, when I heard one time someone say, I'm God's daughter and I'm God's princess and I'm going to have a jet plane. I, I laughed in her face. I said, you're going to have a jet plane. Yes, glory to God. We're the daughters of God. We should all have a jet. I said, yeah, okay. I said, that makes zero sense. I said, do you know how much it costs to insure a jet? No, you didn't look into that. Do you know how much it costs to have a pilot for a jet? No, okay. Do you know where you're going to put the hangar? No. What about when the jet engine gets dirty? Do you know how much it costs to have a specialist come out and clean it? What about when a part needs to be replaced? Do you know how much a part needs? What about how are you going to clean the inside? What if you spill grape juice on the floor? Who's going to come? How, do you know someone that services jet? I mean, do you know anybody like that? What about, you know, what, what about the hangar fees? How much does it cost runway expenses? How much does it cost the landing? What about repainting it? What if the paint starts tipping off? What if the wind gets dented? What if, uh, do you have to pay for the pilot's training or does he have to pay for his own training? I mean, what are you going to do? I don't know, I don't know. Also, you can go shopping in New York City whenever you want. Then you're going to be walking around and have no money in New York City. <laughs> Makes no sense. Doesn't make any sense. Why? I said, why is it that when God blesses us, and I said there, why is it that when God blesses us, all of a sudden we want to put our money into a depreciating liability? Why not put your money in some assets and make some money off of it? Hello, somebody. Amen. When you buy something, it might redefine your priorities because you now feel that you have to justify yourself in purchasing it. I remember when I was looking at that boat, I thought to myself, wait a second, hold on. The sticker price was 
you know, I could have afforded it. I could have. But I thought to myself, <clears throat> wait a second now. There's 365 days in a year. The way Michigan is now and was back then, I'm only going to get about 150 days where I could possibly use this boat. And out of those days where I could possibly use this boat, I'm only going to get about 30% of those to do that. So I'm looking at about <clears throat> maybe, maybe 45 days of using this boat. And you know what? I will tell you no. I would not do something I want to do. I'm saying, hey, I got this boat. We sure is not using this boat. We are using this boat today. I don't care if you like it. I don't care if it's tornadoing outside. I'm using this boat. I paid for it. I'm using it. Whole, the whole, there could be an earthquake. I'm sitting in the water, tsunami coming, and I'm using the boat. Why? I paid for it. I got to use it. Pull the boat out in the wintertime and put it on the ice. <laughs> Go look at it. Why? I paid for it. Your priorities change now. Okay. Listen to what Solomon said. This is okay tonight. Yeah. <clears throat> Listen to what Solomon says. He said, those who love money will never have enough. Number one, here's the principle. The more you have, the more you want. Number two, the more you have, the more you have the people come to help you spend it. In other words, the more you have, the more people will come after it. And you know who that includes? The government. Yes. Amen, somebody. He says, so what good is wealth except perhaps to watch it slip through your fingers? In other words, the more you have, the more you have to now worry about losing it. It says the rich seldom get a good night's sleep. The more you have, the more you have, more ways you have to figure out how to keep it. And it says that we can't take our riches with us. In other words, the more you have, the more that you will end up leaving behind. Amen, somebody. So you see here, the reason why people do not have any joy in stuff and any joy in things is because, listen, you could be rich and be happy. You could have lots of wealth and be happy. The difference is, I'm, I'm all for being rich. Boy, I'd, rather be, I'd love to be rich. But I'm telling you something, it wouldn't make me happy. You're looking to be rich to be happy. You're, you're looking in the wrong place. No, 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 no. The difference is, a person that is controlled by God. Can I give you one more verse before we end? Are you enjoying this tonight? Someone say, this is good. Someone say, this is real good. All right, let me give you one more. Let me give you one more verse. It says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, go there real quickly tonight. 1 Timothy chapter 6. First Timothy chapter 6 and verse 17. This is what Paul says. Charge them that are rich in this world. There were rich people in the church. Not everybody was rich. That's what I like when someone says everybody should be rich. I use this verse all the time because it implies not everybody was rich. Charge them that are rich in this world that they do not be high-minded, that they do not trust in uncertain riches. In other words, riches that are going to perish. But the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, that they be ready to distribute and willing to communicate. The verse here says that they be ready to distribute and they be willing to communicate. The word ready to distribute means to have an open hand. And the word willing to communicate would mean simply to have a gracious human heart. And so you'll see what the Spirit of God is telling you here is that if you are rich or whatever, and, and I'm going to tell you something, living here in the Farmington Hills in the United States of America, you are already the wealthiest 2% of the world. You may not feel it because you're comparing yourself to the Joneses down the street, but right here, we're, we're some of the most richest people in the world. Even if you have to wear the same pants every day, you're still wealthy compared to some of the standards. I've just seen some of the places I've seen. Oh my gosh. They've been to Malaysia in the jungle. They know what I'm talking about. Amen, somebody. But it says that when you have finances, the rich should have open hands. Now watch this. I remember that I had a huge problem when people used to give me things, distribute things to me. You know, if someone blesses me, I, I, I like I wanted to bless people, but it was hard for me to get blessed. I said, no, no, let me, let me get... No, no. Yet the Lord told me, stop being so arrogant. 
I said, arrogant? What do you mean arrogant? I don't really want to take it. I'm trying to be humble. He says, the reason why you don't want to receive what they're giving you is because you think that they're doing it because they think, because you think they think that you're somebody special. I said, ooh. And the Lord said to me, that's not why they're giving it to you. They're giving it to you. It has nothing to do with you. It has to do with me and them giving it to you. I was like, wow. He said, they encounter my grace. They encounter my love. They encounter my power. And they just want to give. It has nothing to do with you. So just take what they give you. And be quiet and shut up. <laughs> Amen, somebody. Open-handedness. Gracious heart. Ready to communicate. Willing to distribute. And it says here in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 7, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in that person? The word when it says to see is the Greek word that doesn't mean just you see him in passing. It means you have seen that person. You have contemplated that person. You have thoroughly thought about that person. It means to deliberately contemplate as a spectator. And it says closes their heart. That means walls up their heart and says no to it. In other words, when God has blessed you, when God has financially given to you, and he has distributed to you, and God never held anything back from you, God give me a deal, God help me with this, oh God, oh God, oh God, and God says, fine, fine, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it for you. I'm, I'm doing it for you. Blesses you. And then all of a sudden, after you're walking with your pockets lined, you see somebody in need. God says, give 100%. And you say, I'll give you I'll give 50%. Give 30%. Give, give 300%. No, I'm only, I'm only going to give this percent. You've seen, you've contemplated, you've deliberated, and you've walled your heart out. And God says, the love of God doesn't abide in a person like that. So here at this ministry, here at this church, I want the people in this church, as we grow, and as God continues to bless us, as people continue to come in, you find someone that's not wealthy. You find somebody that... They can't afford this. They can't afford that. They, they haven't gone to a basketball game in a long time. They haven't gone to a Lions game. They haven't, you know, it's, they, they don't have a heater in their home. Or they can't pay their electric bill. Let's not make them go out there and suffer. Let's bless them. Let's bless them so richly and so powerfully. Let's bless them until they can't do it. Why? Why? Because we have much? No, no, no. Because he lives in us. And I'm going to say this and I'm going to close. Is that we can be confident in serving God when we're confident knowing that God is serving us. Amen. Amen. You know why I serve God? Because guess what? He's serving me. So I can give you. You know, have you ever put something in an offering or given something to somebody and thought, uh-oh, why did I do that? Why did I do that? That's the flesh. That's the flesh. How many can say, why did I do that? But the Holy Spirit afterwards there's still a joy in your heart just be happy Amen. you know what do what I do do what I used to do now that you've heard the light of today connect with us go to our website lightoftoday.org write us at P.O. Box 403 Wald Lake Michigan 48390 or tweet Chris Palmer at twitter.com forward slash Chris Palmer our podcasts are free and updated regularly so make sure to share them with a friend and tune in again to The Light of Today with Chris Palmer.